everyone. Welcome to Figment of My Reality, where we talk about the true stuff that makes this big old world seem made up. I'm your first podcast host, Jeremy Bales. And I'm your other co-host, Jason Wright. So, Jeremy and I, past, what, month? Month and a half. Both, both got married. Yeah. It was, uh... Tied the knot. Yep. Not with each other. <laughs> <laughs> with our respective lady friends. Yep. For sure. Conquered the COVID. And you know what? It's For me, it's been about 24 hours, and I found myself at Bass Pro staring at the grills, <laughs> the husband feeling setting in. Well, Jason, you can attest to it is that we went golfing very shortly after I, uh, after I got married, and something happened. I don't know if it was the mustache or the freshly ringed finger, but my golf game was just on point. I'm not sure if it was the old man's strength setting in or... <laughs> I just gained 20 years of wisdom. I couldn't tell there's, you what it was. I think there's just something as soon as you get married, just the the husband slash dad vibes start setting in. And, you know, I'm I'm there at Bass Pro today, and I'm just staring at the grill, and I'm like, oh, my God, it comes with a, a griddle attachment on the top of That's it. That's rare. That would be so, com- <laughs> that could be so convenient. Did you find yourself just like fussing about the kids who were too loud or busting in and out? (laughs) So the night after we got married, uh, Rachel for this podcast, Jason. (laughs) Well, Rachel is in the room and she's she is complaining about how loud the kids are beat out in the hallway. She's like, "Hotels are not meant for this." I was like, "God, we've aged twenty years in ten minutes." It's really amazing how that happens. Jason, with that, with that in mind, I guess what I'll ask you two questions. One, what do you miss most about being a non-fussy grandpa? <laughs> and secondly, what are you most looking forward to about the uh, the married man sort of status setting in? Well, obviously, I'm looking forward to those losing those ten strokes off my golf game the most that you're talking about. Yep, sure. Uh, that's number one. <laughs> Not an anomaly at all. And and what I miss is the. The freedom of my mind that I used to have. I used to be able to walk by that grill section without without that <laughs> grill sparkling in the corner of my eye. Now you're looking at the newest utensils, like the newest spatula. Yeah. I mean, that's a good-looking apron. It's got pockets <laughs> for it, too. Exactly. So benefits are becoming strong and wise mm. in, in the physical sense. Yes. and Weak in are, the mental sense. <laughs> weak in the mental. My mind is not what it used to be. <laughs> I can't overcome my desires. What else do we think? And just to keep it on my radar, because I haven't had the opportunity to go to Bass Pro yet, so my mind has not fallen prey to that specific man trap. What else should we be on the lookout for? I think we need to be, at least I know I need to be on the lookout for waking up one morning and just having a freshly groomed mustache on my face. That's not a bad thing. I will tell you from personal experience, it's actually quite wonderful. It keeps you warm at night when your wife falls. In the rural area that I grew up in, you are hard-pressed to find a married man without a mustache. (laughs) Yeah, I noticed uh, at your own wedding, I think it might run in the family, Jason, is, is your pops had a strong mustache. I believe it was freshly trimmed that day. I think I'm going to start having nightmares of just waking up in a caterpillar just hanging <laughs> down over my two lips. Well, not everything's all as bad as it, you making it out to be, Jason. There are, some, there are some benefits as well. You know, you can uh, 
be like, hey, uh, let's turn in early tonight. And then friends would be like, no, let's go out and be like, dude, I'm married. You have no idea. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> That's true. And what are they going to say? Ditch her? Be like, dude, like, it's a wife. What are you, are you an idiot? How about you find yourself a wife, okay? <laughs> Talk down to them until they get married. <laughs> yeah, you just have no idea. <laughs> okay, well, let's move past uh, our celebration of marriage. And okay, let, let me just, for the, for the record, if, if you're going to do something like that, phrase it like that. Married life has been absolutely stupendous. Love, love my wife to death. Um, Jason, I, I can sure assure the listeners that you do the same. It's been a good 24 hours. We have fun on this podcast, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Let's get to the stories. Okay. For people that don't know what the BBC is, the BBC is a news organization or a broadcast organization in Britain. This story is centered around the BBC's actions. Okay. Ominous start. In 1957, the BBC puts out a three-minute video, broadcasted all across Britain, hard-hitting segment about spaghetti. Not only spaghetti, <sighs> but the elusive spaghetti tree. No way. <laughs> now, in nineteen in the 1950s, mm-hmm. spaghetti and pasta in general was not a big staple in Britain. So not everybody knew what spaghetti was. Okay. So or how it was made. So right. the BBC decided on April first that they would put out this three minute video about the spaghetti tree. Huh. What was their end game? I guess I have t- I have two immediate questions. One, when they did this uh, three minute news clip did they themselves not know that spaghetti does not come from trees? And B, if they did know, what was their, like, okay, congratulations, you proved to a population that you have more information than them? I'm not sure what the, uh, what the plan here is. Well, they did know how spaghetti was made. And two, their end game was to make everybody feel real dumb on April Fool's Day. Bastards. <laughs> In this three-minute video... They show a family in southern Switzerland harvesting spaghetti from their spaghetti trees. So, in various images I've seen, they took the time to meticulously string spaghetti up through this tree. How much time in the day does the BBC (laughs) have? (laughs) And they take these spaghetti strands down and lay them out to dry. And then bundle them up. And throughout this whole video... They have a very well-established broadcaster giving play-by-play of how the spaghetti is being harvested, how the breeding of the different trees and cross-pollinating and things are done to produce the perfect length spaghetti, and how this year's hmm. harvest is going to be particularly good because the biggest threat to the spaghetti tree is the spaghetti weevil, which was almost completely eliminated in the past year. That's exciting. Now, 
What is the prime length of a spaghetti noodle <laughs> by a tree? <laughs> you know, I don't think anyone knows what the prime length of a spaghetti noodle is. I find myself always cutting them or twirling them and being like, man, I wish I had another inch or two here to fill this up. Really? I feel the exact opposite. I feel like whenever I'm doing the twirl method with the fork, it just is a never-ending system, and it just does not stop twirling. That's that's what I mean. Sometimes you find it, it's too long, but then sometimes it's too short, and you're just spinning, and, and nothing. it's not long enough to gather on your fork. I, I wish the spaghetti tree was real, so scientists could perfect the length of the spaghetti noodle. Yeah, these, these bum scientists have not actually <laughs> put in the work, the effort, to give the people what they want, what they deserve, what they need. That's a six-inch spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, some people might think you can just break your spaghetti, but I challenge you to break all of your spaghetti at exactly six inches. It's not possible. I've tried. <laughs> I, unlike BBC, have put the hours in. <laughs> you were asking, what's the end game here? Well, the end game is after broadcasting this out to approximately seven million people. Oh, my gosh. That have only experienced spaghetti being served from a a tinned can of spaghetti and tomato sauce so they haven't even actually seen dried spaghetti most of them start calling in to bbc hundreds of people calling in asking hey i just saw spaghetti weevil we gotta get (laughs) him okay what's the what would a spaghetti weevil look like i imagine it has to have a very long nose that's what i was that was the first thing i was gonna say all the uh (laughs) the spaghetti I feel like it would be kind of a molish creature. Yeah, I think he can dig. I also think he he has to have like almost a neck that's able to extend up so he can dig under the tree and then reach up with his long Ooh. nose to suck down the spaghetti from the tree. That's a thought. Do you think they got little wings like uh, flying squirrels do? <laughs> no, you know what they do is that it's more like a lemur in the sense that they swing from spaghetti to spaghetti. <laughs> Uh, but people are calling in asking about more information how can they grow these spaghetti trees how can they get them what can they do to grow their own spaghetti right and in the bbc does not do the right thing and tell them that it's not real they tell them they need to go find a spaghetti sprig and put it in some tomato sauce and hope for the best and hope for the best <laughs> Exactly. How many people did you say this went out to? Like 7 million? Something like that, yeah. But only several hundred called in. Which, oh, good. <laughs> yeah, so they only made, they only ruined and wasted the time of several hundred people. But, you know, all in all, pretty good April Fool's joke. Yeah, I, it's come to the point, and Jason, I know you're not on social media quite as much, but there are, um, there just is, is a endless consistency of on april 1st every person who has any type of uh like following will just post nonsense and it just it's it's to the point where like okay well you know i can't really take this like anything seriously because it's april 1st and there are Mm -hmm. still like frequently people like oh you know like uh you know drake's quitting music or uh Eminem's not the best rapper ever. <laughs> I don't know. Just just nonsense, you know? <laughs> yeah, but think about it. Back in the day, 
like 70 years ago, something like this would almost catch everybody by surprise because Absolutely. there's no Absolutely. good way to fact check it. You don't know what it is. You just know that spaghetti's real. You just found out spaghetti's real. Yeah, I just heard about this great food called nonsense. <laughs> and if you tell, I just found out about this and you told me it comes off a tree, who am I to tell you it doesn't? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, my question to you is, if you were in the position of the person who came up with this gag and were mm-hmm. told to come up with a good April Fool's joke, yes. what plant in food would you put together to go on the broadcast okay um what i would likely do is a bushel right because nobody can mm-hmm. ever really pin down bushels mm-hmm. so i'm trying to think <laughs> of a good food I, I feel like it's actually been done on uh commercials before but like a bushel of skittles that'd be good <laughs> <laughs> but it takes a, a significant amount of crossbreeding to get a one specific bushel color of Skittle, right? So it's it starts out as a mess. You got tropical Skittles, you got classic Skittles, you even got sour Skittles. And in the beginning, you have to hire people to meticulously go through and pick the different right. types off. Right. You want to get down to where that bushel is one solid type of Skittle in precisely, color, so they can precisely. just shake them all off. Into <laughs> yes. the See, it's it's a real pain in the tuchus. When you have sour lime mixed with classic lime, right? Because <laughs> the only difference is a little bit of powder. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a real inconvenience. <laughs> that'd be I'd be a I'd be a Skittles bushel guy. How about you? Gotcha. You know, I've been thinking it over. If I had to go with it, I think I'd go with something that grows in the ground, kind of like Ooh, a carrot, like or a, a potato. Root. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with Because who knows what's under this earth, right? Yeah, yeah, who knows? And you know what comes in, can come in various shapes before it's cut to certain, to uh, different blocks. Cheese. Ooh. You know, I your blue cheeses could be lumpy. Yeah. Your, your different, I mean, people might not know, but cheese doesn't necessarily come in a square every, every time. Or, Whoa, what? <laughs> Quick, everyone, check the date. Is it April Fool's? <laughs> so I would go with the uh, underground cheese. Cheese root. Cheese root. Okay. See, I, I think there's, there's give and take to that one being believable, and I say that because of this. You know, there's always that phrase of, you know, the old, the older and smellier the cheese is, the higher quality cheese it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this has been in the dirt for three years. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> but also, I don't think I've ever re- re- seen, like, a dirty cheese. I don't know what a dirty cheese would look like. And I feel like pulling something that uh, malleable, that sort of mushy out of the ground, wouldn't yield as good results as, like, a, a typical rootwood, like a potato or a carrot. Well, well, maybe it has a hard, maybe it's kind of like a nut. That it's like a brie ground. cheese. It <laughs> yeah. has that hard exterior. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and before it's served, it's cracked open and that uh, gooey, gooey see, cheese. Now I'm back on board. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's and, good. I like that, Jason. It's good. I, the only the only issue is I don't think this would work in uh, Britain. I think they have I think it would handle so- the cheese department. <laughs> I think it would almost work exclusively in Britain. Because <laughs> 7 million of them believe that spaghetti was growing on trees. 
I don't know this, that it wouldn't work in the States necessarily, but I think Britain has a leg up on its uh, nationwide gullibleness. I will say, I think the BBC went about doing this prank right, getting a reputable broadcaster to right. come in and give play-by-play detail about how the spaghetti's harvested, about the elusive spaghetti weevil. That's why they had no pictures or video. And <laughs> about... You know, about the cross-pollination and creating the perfect spaghetti tree itself. I mean, I a lot of supporting detail like that would fool a good chunk of people. That's tr- true. But is there was there ever a penalty that BBC had to pay of losing its um, credibility? So, you know, March or April 1st rolls around, spaghetti trees... April 2nd, you know, we found a cure to some high quality, like high level pandemic. No, I don't think so. This <laughs> I saw yesterday. No, it's fake. You know, I don't think the fact checking and the follow up was quite as extensive in 1957 as it is today. I'll tell you what, if I ever got convinced that spaghetti grew on a tree and then like recent, like later on found out that that was incorrect, I would never, ever trust that news network again <laughs> no looking at you bbc you're done you're done especially if you got fooled that bad like spaghetti to spaghetti. think that like, hey hey tomato juice and hope for the best eh? i could i don't know if i can think of a way to pretend to make spaghetti that's more wrong than than this <laughs> It'd be one thing if it's like, hey, you know, we don't have the Switzerland or whatever they took the video from. They have the good growing conditions. People in the UK, you know, don't sweat the spaghetti trees. It's it's not feasible for you. But they say, hey, you have tomato sauce. Take a... a hold on. We didn't even talk about the spaghetti <laughs> sprig, did we? <laughs> what does that look no. like? No. <laughs> I think they just left it up to their imagination. Right. If, if I'm somebody that believed this and you told me that i would be opening up the can of spaghetti and tomato sauce that i have on my shelf Mm -hmm. this new delicacy that i've never even got to try what is a spaghetti and i'm and i'm gonna start laying the noodles out and trying to cut them open to find the the seeds inside (laughs) these noodles to plant i also wonder if ever someone called back like a month later never got the memo it's like yeah i planted I planted 50 spaghetti sprigs in my tomato sauce. <laughs> and he goes, hey, man, that's tomato soup. I hate to break it to you. Try again with sauce. <laughs> they might have they might have gotten several hundred people to call in to ask about these trees. I want to know how many people followed up after that with death threats. <laughs> yeah, for real. Like, are you, are you think spaghetti's funny now, dude? <laughs> well, I mean, here's an April Fool's prank. Where do you live? What's your address? <laughs> got a good one for you just let me find your house <laughs> oh man but you know B- bbc good prank great in a prank. time where nobody could double check you nobody questioned you you targeted the right people you did it the right <laughs> way you didn't even fake out another country <laughs> you betrayed your own country bbc <laughs> all in all a wholesome prank i like it fun is good that was good Jason, mine is a little less 
news network portrays their own people. (laughs) (laughs) More about the life and times of an individual. So I'm going to tell you about Henri de Tonti. He's a Frenchman. You don't say. (laughs) Could you not tell? (laughs) Let me try again. Henri de Tonti. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, he was born in Italy, though, uh, but to two French parents who after he was born, quickly moved back to Paris because his father was escaping some persecution. Later on, as he sort of got into his young adulthood and started becoming a man, he enlisted in the French army, where he served as a cadet for a couple years pretty successfully. So you said his parents moved back to Paris. Did they leave him in France? Or never mind. Run that one. Hey, say that again. <laughs> that. We're cutting hey, that out. Hey, Jason. Cut that out. <laughs> Where is <laughs> Where were they before they moved back to France? They were born in, or they to were Paris. In Italy. They were in Italy. Okay. I Ga- had, yeah. Gaeta it's uh Gaeta Italy. <laughs> <laughs> like so, a second the second it left my mouth I I went. Nope. <laughs> so the Tonti family moves from Italy to to Paris. He was a successful and sort of capable cadet. Really nothing too interesting about that period of his life. But after he got done with the army, I'm not necessarily sure how it worked in 1668 when he enlisted. But he went from the army to the navy. And Jason, I'm going to name a couple characters and you tell me, if you can think of them, what they have in common. Cyborg. Aquaman. Captain Hook. The last one was a toss-up. <laughs> um, something to do with water. What does Cyborg have to do with water? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I could. That's the only one I could tie in. Well, the answer to that is that they all had uh, at least one part of them, specifically their hand, which was not organic. They had Aquaman. Yeah. He had like a uh, kind of a hook thing going on too. I didn't know that. See, that's what I was thinking. I was originally thinking something metal, but I couldn't okay. think of Aquaman. Yeah, I think it's in just certain series of comics where he also has a hook instead of a uh, another hand. The more you know. Where's a little rainbow graphic? <laughs> <laughs> Henri de Tonti will ultimately join this pantheon of one-handed men. As he was serving in the Navy, he was on a specific mission and lost his hand from a grenade explosion. He was he actually wasn't throwing it, was he? <laughs> that was not uh, disclosed. <laughs> God, I hope not. Because <laughs> that takes away a lot of the clout from this guy after what I read. So he was actually taken prisoner for six months too. So he was dealing one-handed as a prisoner for quite some time. Um, Later, he got traded in a POW exchange, and he was outfitted with a metal hook. He frequently, for whatever reason, covered it up with a glove. Now, I don't know about you, How does that work? You tell me (laughs) how you cover up a hook with a glove. I think your best bet is a mitten if you want to cover it up. Which finger hole do you put the hook through? It gotta be like first and ring finger, right? 
<laughs> but yeah, so I don't know about you, Jason, but if I had a, God forbid, the time ever comes where I don't have my phalanges, my fingers. Just say fingers. <laughs> I don't think I would ever cover up the the hook opportunity. I think I would just have too much fun. I'd, I'd have to pass it up. Really? I put one of those little hands on the end of my nub. <laughs> just a tiny hand. <laughs> yeah, just a tiny plastic hand. <laughs> and, oh. and, and then people would ask me, what's going on with that? And I'd say, not done growing. <laughs> or, or you could just not acknowledge it. Hey, man, what happened to your hand? What are you talking about? <laughs> All my family is like this. What are you talking about? <laughs> family trait. We got tiny <laughs> hands. Got specifically the left one. <laughs> Oh man! So his uh, his buddies in the army and navy gave him two nicknames: one Iron Hand, which is pretty pretty impressive as far as the creativity mm-hmm. concerned, and Thunder Arm. Uh, that one really isn't explained. It might be because of the explosion that happened. I couldn't really tell you. This is starting to remind me of the assassin from Avatar. Go ahead. Metal Hand. All right. Thunder, whatever, explosions. He just needs to paint an eye on his forehead. I don't think it was just a painted eye, was it? I mean, I don't think I don't, so. I don't think but so. I don't. But, but bear with me, Jerry. I don't think this man's going to start shooting beams out of his forehead and make Which it Which is why it was a crazy comparison to me. I mean, compared to the real world. <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, anyway, metal me, metal hand with nicknames yep. with explosions is mm-hmm. probably as close as you can get to being an avatar character. <laughs> oh, okay, of course. Not like an old man who just drinks tea or a blind girl who I don't know, mm. runs away from home. Mm. Mm. We're getting off topic. <laughs> Cut it. <laughs> <laughs> So as he progresses, Henri de Tonti does not allow this metal hand to hold him back. He actually continues to progress in the ranks during his time with the Navy. He actually gets to Captain Lieutenant, which must be a unique status to the French Navy because as far as I'm concerned, the military has lieutenants and they have captains, not necessarily Captain Lieutenants. But hey. Well, well maybe they needed one man to fill both positions that is a man who is overworked and likely underpaid <laughs> so he has a, a several missions in north america specifically in the year 1678 during his uh his time as captain lieutenant he is in charge of several french forts and he's also responsible for sort of settling the relations between the French and the Native Americans who are surrounding the the areas of the French forts. He actually won several. It's it's hard to. I don't know if they would be qualified as awards from the Native Americans, which earned him thirty five miles of land. So I'm not. Hmm. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Maybe recognition. He's recognized. Yeah, that would work as yeah. well. Perhaps rewarded. Yes. Thunderarm. Uh, Iron Hand man, Tonti, <laughs> had a pretty, as far as everything else was concerned, average life following. But Jason, I did want to, to pose the question to you. If you didn't have the opportunity to have Tiny Hand, what appendage would you attach 
to your missing limb? None. <laughs> no. well, it's tiny I mean, hand or bust for you, huh? Yeah. I'm, are, you, are you saying I can attach anything to the end of my hand? I'm letting you have anything that you want attached and operable. A, a new hand? Well, you're just no fun, are you? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. I was going to say, you want like a tiny fan to keep you cool on the summer days, no, Jason? I just, I just want my hand back. <laughs> you can't have your hand. <laughs> but yeah, that's the man who keeps his company with Captain Hook, Aquaman, and Cyborg. Sounds like an accomplished man. Captain Lieutenant Henri de Tonti. That's it for this week's episode. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review as it helps us out a bunch. If you're interested in contacting us with one of your stories or you want to hear us talk about something that you know about, we can jump into it. You can reach us at Fig of My Reality on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And our email is figmentofmyreality at gmail.com. This is that fact. The piece of reality for this week is if you tried a new variety of apples every day, it would take you more than 20 years to try them all. I'm Jeremy Bales. I'm Jason Wright. Talk to you next week. Oh,